Hello and welcome to Helios Blog. My name is Helios here for another reaction video. Today, Michaela Peterson talks about mewing. That's training your facial muscles so that your face becomes more attractive. Let's get into it. The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. You know, it suddenly becomes emotional. I remember uh, before I became famous or before I had a following, parents would bring their child to see me. And, you know, the, the mother would laugh at how crooked their child's <laughs> teeth were. And then I would start explaining the philosophy and the concept behind what we were thinking. And the penny would then drop in the mother that I was suggesting that their child's face hadn't grown me. Yeah. And they'd have a sense of they'd have a sense of humor failure. And I had one mother leave. You know, I couldn't have been politer. I couldn't have been nicer. And I'm saying, well, you know, how how do you circle that square? You know, and I walk down the street and I'm seeing a train wreck, a disaster, car accident. And it, it's everyone I meet, everyone's faces have yeah, yeah. you know, and we know how they should grow because we've got the skulls. Go go look. They're in the museums. And, you know, it's the same. You see that guy walking off the African Serengeti, you know, bold as brass, you know, fantastic, big, broad smile with all 30 teeth. And usually something like a centimeter behind the wisdom teeth. Wow. That's a vast amount of tongue space you know, for his tongue. And interestingly, they look just like our ancestors. And we don't look like our ancestors. And there's been this huge change and, and no one's pointing it out. No one's saying, Hello. well, people are. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Jaws. Done. Got it. Um, yes, I have. It's, it's popping up my mic at the moment. <laughs> I don't even believe with the, you know, this book here. This is this is basically my father's concept. Yeah. Taken by Sandra Kahn and Paul Ehrlich. So Paul Ehrlich at Stanford, who came out with oh, the cool. population bomb. Yeah. And, you know, they produced that the book. And it, it, that is, you know, Paul came to our house. I mean, I've known Sandra for years. And she wanted to put the story together and present the story. And, you know, it, it's there. It, it, it's, it's well-documented. It's well-researched. It's, you know, I would wish I had time to write a book like that myself. It... You know, it's there, it's scientifically valid, but it's too much, it, it's it's too much of a destructive idea. It it damages too many people's status quo and professions and qualifications and income, you know, that the resistance is large. Hey guys. Right. So what's what's the point? The point is, um, the point is that the way that people are living their lifestyle is messing up their face, and uh, there's too much pushback against. Interesting. Yeah. Well, what it's suggesting is that you can change the the shape of your skull, right? Basically. Well, yes. <laughs> this is the thing. You know, you you start saying, well, if this is an environmental 
change, then you can change your environment and thus you can change your, your facial form. And this, this sounds radical, but look at anyone who has a stroke. Yeah. And you see one well, side, so you know I'm right. But it is one of those things that just jars with people. People, you know, you know, that image that looks back to you from any mirror in the world. You know, what's on what bit of your passport or a driving license do people look at when they want to identify you? It's your photograph, it's your face. In many ways, you could say that is your identity. For me to come along and say that thing that you think your identity is, it's plastic, you know? But I mean, we know our identity is plastic because the brain is plastic and the brain is your identity as well. So it stands to reason that your face is plastic as well. Also, over time, as people age, it's it's obvious, right? They, the face does change. So it is plastic. It is changing. You know, you, you can change your face, you know, it's like you, you've changed your personality. You're not the same person. Yep. It's just all these layers of emotive. And I'm sure I'm sure I'm going to be burnt alive by people who are saying, oh, you should be happy the way you are. Yeah, except this concept of just be yourself doesn't actually get you the results that you actually want, right? You have to be the best version of yourself. So there you go. You know, yeah. you should. And what am I saying? I'm coming along saying that, well, actually, you can change the very essence of what you think is you is malleable, it's mobile. And if your face hasn't grown very well, not only is it probably your or even worse, your parents' fault. But it's probably causing you serious health problems. Oh, I can see why there's a little bit of pushback from people. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's get started with then. How do you... So what you're suggesting is people's diets and lifestyle have contributed to malocclusion, crooked teeth, overbites, underbites, and just generally misshapen mm. faces. And so yeah, you're, you're not necessarily, facial. you're not necessarily an ugly person. You, you just haven't been, what, holding your tongue properly? You haven't been doing the, the correct behaviors that form the proper face, I guess, is the idea. It, what's gone well, okay. wrong? Okay, so when, you know, the, the important question always in medicine is what caused this problem? Mm -hmm because medicine's supposed to be about treating the causes of problems. Now, well, I couldn't tell you if our ancestors had sleep apnea, couldn't tell you if they had type two diabetes. We, we, we don't know, they're dead and there's no soft tissue left. We don't have contemporaneous records taken at the time. What we do have though, is all these skulls. So I can tell you precisely where the teeth were or still are, and I can also tell you precisely that the dimensions of the shapes of skulls. And what you see when you go back in skull records is the further back you go, the more conformity there was mm -hmm. and the better architecture of the face there was. So what's the point? The point is that 
the modern lifestyle is not good for the face. Because just as we evolved um, not to have these modern social systems, we also didn't evolve to have this modern diet. So our evolution, our biology is not... It's, it's lagging behind the modern amenities that we have, effectively, is what's being said here. I mean, it, in, in all racial groups, all the way around the world, it, it is not a racial thing. You know, where it, this really is just skin deep. And then you go to start looking at what environment, what's changed? What's changed? What are the major factors that have changed that period from when we were hunter-gatherers to the modern environment? And the, the two, I mean, there's quite a lot of factors, but the two really big factors seem to be that we've gone from this really tough, hard, rough diet Mm-hmm. where you needed to eat a lot. You needed to eat a lot to gain the calories you needed for the day. And we've gone across to this diet that is just uber soft. So the point is, effectively, people were chewing gum 24-7 before? And yeah. it's, as I said, it's very calorie rich. You could have... So I could make you a drink. You know, I I, I looked this up, you know, a Starbucks um, white cafe mocha is, I think... 420 calories well that's before you start opening uh, uh, some marshmallows and cream and some sweet you know um syrups in there i mean you you could get that up easily to a quarter if not a third of your calorific not not nutritional but just the calories you need for the day and to gain those calories you've done zero no effort no no masticatory yeah. effort you've not used these puppies here You've not used them at all to get those calories on board. So either that day you were going to eat more stuff to use your muscles and then put on weight because you're taking too many calories on board, or you're going to eat less. You know, you, you don't eat as much that day to compensate for those calories, the easy calories you've done. And that's what's happening. You know, we're, we're giving you, know, you see the amount of sugar that's creeping into foods. So the point is it's low effort eating. And because it's a low effort eating, you're not chewing. And because you're not chewing, you're not working the muscles that you need to chew in order to develop the face properly. I understand. Well, the amount of effort is going down. Um, I remember a lecturer telling me that our ancestors were eating for up to a third of the day. Wow. Now, that, that's a huge amount of effort. That's a vast change. You know, we think of our bodies as doing what 30% of the exercise that our ancestors did. I think our jaws, my guesstimation is about 5% of what our jaws are doing. You can see from the wear of our teeth. And I'm not saying we, you know, we need to go back to wearing our teeth down as our ancestors did, but medicine's about treating the cause of the problem. You've got to understand that cause. And of course, you know, I've got a strong jaw. <laughs> yes, you, you know, do. Indeed. I, I, that, that my jaw would fit all my teeth quite happily. And that strong jaw is related to this strong jaw muscle. You know, that the use it or lose it. It's, um, you know, it, no, it's called Wolf's Law in greater or lesser extent. That's just the masseter muscle? This here is the masseter and the temporalis is coming. You don't see the temporalis, but, you know, you, you can ripple it if you try. But the masseter is here. And how, you know, that strong jaw is related to that strong muscle and you get strong muscles from using them. 
Interesting. So it's just logical. All right. So it's not complex. It's relatively simple. Mm-hmm. Then the next factor seems to have changed is we're getting nasal obstructions, and nasal obstructions seem to have become really commonplace. Now, yeah, not really my area, but we know they're going up dramatically. People are getting allergies. They're getting blocked noses. It's there's it a rapid increase, and if you can't breathe out of your nose, you have two choices: you don't breathe, which isn't good, or <laughs> yeah. you're going to open your mouth to breathe. And when you yeah. open your mouth to breathe, you lose that tongue to palate contact. And that's, I think, it's a really, really vital reflex that we have. And you you lose your lip seal, you know, and that's a reflex. That's one of the orifices in your gut. Don't lose any of those orifices. They're all important. And if you, 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 you know, as, as vital as those um, re, uh, reflexes are breathing's clearly more important. You know, breathing's possibly the yeah, most important yeah. thing you're going to do. You know that I think that's number one on my desires today to breathe. Right, because if you don't breathe, you die within two minutes. Everything else comes below that. So to breathe properly, you throw away tongue to palate contact. You throw away lip seal. Now a lot of people regain lip seal at around puberty, because you just realize this looks a little stupid. You, you bring your lips together, but you don't, you, you rarely are you going to get your tongue back up on the roof of the mouth. And usually at yeah. that point, your, your, your palate's narrowed to the point where you're going to struggle to get your tongue on the roof of the mouth anyway. So, you know, it becomes a vicious cycle. A lot of people's faces are now so long, they're going to struggle to get their lips together comfortably. And of course, we're creatures of comfort. We're only going to do, we'll only maintain as your posture what's comfortable. So we've got these two changes. We've gone from really tough, strong muscles from all this chewing. We've gone from tongue on the palate, lips together. There. And we've now got weak muscles, mouth open. (laughs) Now, does that look familiar? That's like. Uh, 80% of school children are walking around like this. You know, oh I take my gosh. kids to school and it's just like, I, I, I just you know, close my eyes, pretend I didn't see it. Well, what can you say to people? You know, I'm not going to be in that position and say to parents, yeah. oh, by the way, you should be, you know, they're going to tell, they're going to give me a flea in the air and tell me where to go. As they... Exactly. Right, you should. Um, and of course, if, if you hang your mouth open, and your weak muscles, your face is going to lengthen. And again, we go back to that. You've got a stroke, you can see that. And remember, most people have a stroke. It's only the facial muscles. It's the surface muscles. And yet that can still create a relatively pronounced effect. And I remember working in hospitals when I saw a guy who had had a, a road traffic accident and he had severed his um, trigeminal nerve, you know, the power nerve that supplies the, these these muscles, the, the big muscles. It was amazing. You know, it was incredible seeing how quickly one side of his face dropped down. Wow. And, you know, it, it reminds you just how plastic faces are. But it- Very interesting. I've never even considered this this idea. So, so I think the takeaway point is 
chew a lot more to work the muscles, breathe with your nose, push your tongue to the top of your palate, and close your mouth. That's that's the principle. That's what I'm hearing here. In your face lengthens because you hang your mouth open with weak muscles. It is a little bit like one of those children's toys heads and they're just being stretched. So it gets narrower and it gets shallower and you reduce the cross-sectional area. So horrifying. I know. I know we talk about kids, you know, it just... It, well, it, you know what? You know what happened my to... my blood when I see this. But it's, reduce oh, yeah. cross-section, that's crooked teeth, a.k.a. malocclusion crowding. Yeah. Well, Interesting. So the problem can be prevented as a child by just pushing the tongue to the roof of your mouth and closing your mouth it, it's interesting when, you know? when uh when scarlet so i have a five-year-old yeah a- and uh she used a soother when she was little and i didn't know i know i don't i it, didn't it's, it's know good, yeah but don't beat yourself up about this because you know I'm my still beating child, myself up yeah you know and there's there's lots you can do now so um my grandfather, so I'm a third generation orthodontist. My grandfather was taught by Harold Chapman in the UK. And Harold Chapman was the guy who made orthodontics. He pushed orthodontics into being science, you know, evidence-based, well, in, in that direction. We didn't get evidence-based idea till a little bit later. But he pushed it to being scientific. And he still, you know, there's a Harold Chapman prize that the British Orthodontic Society runs. And so what he told my grandfather was at four or five years old, if you didn't have enough space between all the upper incisors, so, you know, you've, you've got the upper incisors here, his cast, so you'd have space. And I think it was actually between the canine as well. So you'd have the, the gap there, the gap there, the gap there, the gap there, and the gap there. So that's five spaces, I believe. And if at four or five years old, you didn't have the space for a half crown, now, that is about two millimeters thick. Wow. Then you were going to have problems in the future. And he recommended doing... Oh, I, I see the, the, the principle here. There's not enough space for the new teeth to come in. And so there's going to be crowding. That's, that's, the, that's what is implied here. In a burst of expansion um, to kick the kids out of this hole they were in. And I did it for both my kids. And if you implement that with some really good functional exercises then it, it can really be really beneficial to kids. Oh, wait, what is, what is, so what does that look like? What do you do for kids with um, crowded you, teeth? You widen them. So basically, you just look at the top of this appliance. The top of this appliance, you can see you've got a screw in the middle of it. Yeah. And you can put that in the roof of a child's mouth and widen them. Wow. But from where, the, way Charles, where, the way Harold Chapman was talking, it, it's, it's relatively clear, I think, that this was relatively rare. So most children would have that much space, which is literally 10 millimeters. And yet I see no kids with that much space anymore. No one. Right. And and the implication is why? Because the kids are hanging around with their mouth open. And so the teeth are migrating towards each other and the muscles are relaxing and it's everything's pushing inwards. That's why. That's that, that's what's being implied here, I believe. You know, I never see it. It would be you treat every child that walks in. Hmm. And 
that reflects the amount of change that we've had just in a hundred years. You know, Harold Chapman was teaching my father maybe in the well, my my what was it? Uh, about the twenties. So my grandfather started just before the war, First World War. Clearly, signed up, joined the First World War, got shot up, came back, finished his education after the war. So it was that era, First World War era, and you know, I don't. I think we, 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 it's so easy just to forget how things were and become accommodated to how things are now. So, speaking... Sorry, we're just going to control... Uh, Look, they are so plastic. It, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, really, to, to watch kids. Over about 25, it is really difficult to change your craniofacial structure. I I gave this lecture in this the 21 convention. It's the sort of lecture, you know, where about research that I never should have given because it was all followed by um one of these incels and people that have become apparently I'm um, a big name amongst the incels now. I don't know what quietly that brings to me, but it I I, I gave this lecture anyway. And at the end of the lecture, I was swamped by people. You know, 19, 20 year old, mainly boys, saying, okay, how can I make my face better? Yeah. And of course, that wasn't actually what was going through my head just, just with exercises. And I was kind of saying to them, well, you know, you'd be, you'd be crazy to try. It's a really difficult thing to do. I mean, changing yourself, changing your habits is in a way changing your nature. And, you know, it's hard to change your nature, it, it is a hard thing to do. But on the other hand, I, I guess you, you'd be crazy not to try because what else are you yes. doing with your mouth? What I'm saying is stand up straight and shut your mouth. This is not rocket science. It's not new. This is what I'm saying really is a reiteration, a reworking of ancient ideas. You know, this has gone from Confucius to the Victorians all the way through society. You know, the same mantra has been running. I think I get the idea. It's like um, be having an upright posture for your shoulders. You want an upright posture for your tongue as well and in your mouth. It, it makes sense. And an important mantra, that. However, I then seem to start, I, I crystallized this thing in people's minds and people then work really hard. And I've been, I've been really, really stunned at some of the images I see from people. Yeah. Of the changes they gain. And it is just, they're, they're doing this by brute force. They are getting results because they really want results. And for some of these kids, I really feel for them. And I can understand why, you know, you know, it wasn't their fault. Many of them were pushed into orthodontics that they really didn't want to do in, in the, in the cases that I've seen, sometimes the orthodontists can tip the balance and actually lengthen faces. Oh. And they're then forced to wear retainers by their parents. We're telling them I paid for this orthodontics. You've got to wear the retainers. And they are, you know, they, 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 I think they intrinsically know that something's wrong. They see what I'm saying. And these kids, they feel like they're at the bottom of the pile. They do, you know. We don't, I mean, we don't like to talk about it. The fact that that ugly kid's the unpopular one. 
because we've had this mentality that that's his genetic hand and there's nothing you can do about it. And when I start turning around saying, well, actually, that's not true. Well, I mean, this is obvious, right? You could have an ugly face, but be like physically fit and you'll still be attractive and you'll still do quite well. So there's that. There's a lot you can do about it. Well, these kids, they're jumping on it. And they really, you know, you think you're the unpopular one. You're the ugly one. You're the, you know, you, I I guess there may be, this is a broad spectrum of why that may be. But you can imagine these kids at that age are going to trans, you know, fix themselves on trying to make themselves better. They have a huge level of motivation because everything in their life is reminding them about this. And they really focus and they really get then they gain changes. And I'm really stunned with that. And of course, they're thinking, oh, well, I'm looking better. And I'm thinking you're healthier. Mm-hmm. Indeed. This is really going to help you in your life. Now, my mission is to try and move the needle further north. You know, get into slowly get, understand how I can help older and yet older patients, in part with appliances and in part with exercises. And, you know, see if I can change the face of the world or the faces of the world. Because... A lot of people are getting really bad health issues from this. Yeah. And crooked teeth is just, it's one symptom. You know, when you, know, you, you look, I, I could put a picture of an ancestral upper jaw. So, you know, here's a patient I've treated. And you can see that it's a big, wide upper jaw. Yeah. And my, I, I like, I, for me, my mark of success is when the wisdom teeth come in. And when the wisdom teeth come in at around 18 years old, because that's when they should come in and there should be space for them. And then, you know, if, if he gets wisdom teeth coming, he's got, you know, not, you know, he's got a really big upper jaw. Now that's a lot of space for your tongue. Are getting kids coming or older patients coming in and they've had a premolar extracted mm-hmm. and they're also missing their wisdom teeth. So that's four premolars, four wisdom teeth, and they're slightly crowded. Where's the space for their tongue? There's no space in it. You can see that the, 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 the face isn't well developed. There's no space for the tongue. And then where's the tongue? Well, they seem to have a high chance of having sleep apnea. Because where else is the tongue going to go? You know, this is the house for the tongue. If you lack space here, your tongue's falling in the back of your airway. And that would appear to be what sleep apnea is. And I see people, I've been to sleep apnea meetings. Interesting. So there you have it. Actually, very informative um, episode here. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys, especially if you listen to the end. Hit the like, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, Tom, and Bobby. Shoutouts to him. Most recent Patreon subscriber. Buy my books at bit.ly slash heliosbooks. Um, shout out to the Curry Kid, most recent purchaser of Strategist Guide to Seduction. Thank you. Support me on the podcast by clicking the description link. Scroll down to support the show. And share this video. Thank you so much for watching, especially if you watched the end. I really do appreciate it. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.